0: Dedication. Wendell Wallace here, Wendell's World and Sportsman, a special dedication to the greatest of them all, Otis Redding. This episode, I'm speaking about the NBA. The season started, so I spoke about what was going down with the Milwaukee Bucks. Spoke about Giannis. Spoke about the Golden State Warriors' victory over the Los Angeles Lakers. Spoke about the Lakers in terms of the dynamicism of Russell Westbrook. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, moving forward. Spoke about the NBA top 75 players who should be on it, who shouldn't be on it, and also spoke about week 7 in the NFL. Special dedication going out to those who are listening to this podcast, downloading this podcast, reviewing, rating, subscribing, following, Always make sure you go to your favorite place where you listen to your podcast and you download Wendell's World in Sports, W E N B E L L L S in Sports, the most unique, entertaining, thought provoking sports talk podcast that you can get into, that you can listen to. Now, without further ado, let's get into the program. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most unique, entertaining, and compelling sports talk podcast you'll ever listen to. Let's be great. Let's be great. Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Giannis charging down the lane to the rim, double clutch, no good, tip in subscribe rate and review anywhere and everywhere you listen to this and all your favorite podcasts and now from washington dc metropolitan area rip ruin, and ready to rumble with dale wallace yeah i like this kind of party i'm ready to party now windows world and sports i'm your host Wendell wallace, so glad that you could be with us a lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports bonjour bonsoir monsieur mademoiselle je m'appelle wendell wallace wendell's world and sports so glad that you could be with us shalom wassalamu alaykum my brothers and sisters konnichiwa namaste wendell's world and sports so doggone glad that you could be with us que pasa mi amigos me llamo wendell wallace wendell's world and sports i'm your host Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us Doing everything I need to do to make sure That you listen to the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast going Before I go ahead and get into what's happening in the NBA Before I go ahead and get into what's happening in in week 7 of the NFL And talk about the 75 greatest players in NBA history And who got snubbed and who didn't deserve And all those type of things Before I get into all of that pertinent information I have to ask What's going on, man? How you doing? What is happening? You doing all right? You doing good? You doing everything that you need to do to make your world, to make your space, to make your place, to make your neighborhood, to make your household, to make your kids, to make your wife, to make your husband, to make your girlfriend, to make your side piece. The most important thing in terms of learning, listening, understanding, harmonizing, unity, love, peace, all of those things, learning, listening, shut up. When a female is talking about what's going on, shut up. When someone of, the, of another skin tone is talking to you, shut up. When someone is trying to educate you on what's happening in the gay community, what's happening in the black community, what's happening in the Jewish community, what's happening in the Hispanic community, what's happening in the Asian community, what's happening in the other parts of the country, shut up. Listen, learn, educate, respect love one another not because of who they are not because of what gender they are not because of what race they are not because of who they love not because of a political affiliation not because they worship another god shut up listen to them learn respect and then move this world in a better place through love unity harmony understanding all of those type of things too late for our generation too late for my generation, too late for your generation, the one before and after. Too selfish, too egotistical, too meism, too stupid, too ignorant, too racist, too selfish to live into to live in a utopian society that we want to live in. But you know what, man? And ladies, for your children and then their children and their their children, if we can't come to a place, to an understanding, to a level of intelligence and selfishness and unselfishness to where we can live in a society where everyone is judged on who they are as a human being not based on anything else if we can't do that then let's go ahead and see what we can do to make that better for our kids your kids the kids grandkids and great-grandkids and such leave that legacy for them would you please would appreciate that windows world in sports I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. It's an oldest reading edition. You know, in the title, I'm putting down, you know, it's the Respect Oldest uh, Reading Edition. The only reason why I say that is because, I don't know, I've been listening to a lot of oldest reading when I'm um, substituting that uh, Mesquite at High School this week, uh, you know, when i in between classes and such, when the students come in like to always put on a little uh, Otis Redding, like to put on a little uh, Marvin Gaye, like to put on a little uh, Aretha Franklin, like to put on a little Aretha Franklin, like to put on a little Donny Hathaway, like to put on a little something, a little something in terms of fantastic music, something that they're not accustomed to, trying to get them to uh, learn a little bit, you know, learn about these great folks, learn what real music is all about. So when you come into Mr. Wallace's classroom and he's substituting, whether it be for biology, whether it be for CrossFit, whether it be for special ed, whether it be for history, whether it be for English, whether it be for freshman studies, whether it be for health, you know when you come in in the classroom before that bell rings, and maybe a few minutes after that bell rings, you're going to be hearing some Otis Redding, you're going to be hearing some Donny Hathaway, you're going to be hearing some Curtis Mayfield, you're going to be hearing some, uh, what else was I playing this week? Mainly just Otis Redding, so that was my main deal, so this is a special dedication podcast for the one and only, the greatest of them all, Otis Redding, so yeah man. That's what it's all about. So all the uh, bumper music and such is going to be about the greatest of them all, my musical hero, Otis Redding. So there you go. That's why I said, you know, this was a special edition type of podcast because of the greatest Otis Redding in the Amount of time I was playing that in the classrooms up in uh, Mesquite, Nevada this past week Windows World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace So glad that you could be with us So, it's been five minutes, let's get into this, shall we? Let's get ahead and talk about what's happening The NBA is back, my Halle Berry, my Layla Rochon, my Monica Bellucci The love of my life, my wifey in terms of sports is concerned NBA is back season is back. I'm recording this on a Friday afternoon. I'm recording this on a Friday afternoon because, A, I want to go ahead. I get the free preview of the NBA uh, uh, NBA television. I get NBA TV, but I mean the uh, league pass. First week of the season first couple of days of the season the first weekend of the season we always get the free preview of the nba league pass now people might ask me wendell if you love the nba so much if it's just your one and only love as far as sports is concerned why don't you go ahead and get the nba league pass well i don't do that because if i did get the nba league pass all i would be doing is watching nba basketball and while i have no life And while I have no social life to speak of, I do have a few things I'd like to do other than sit around and watch NBA basketball. There are a few other things in life that I would like to do. I like to get my fat ass in shape. I would like to uh, go ahead, sit, listen to music, listen to other sports, watch the news, figure out what else is going on in the world. And if I was doing, if I had the NBA league pass, all I would be doing is just watching nothing but NBA basketball all the time. So I have enough In terms of content for me listening, watching NBA basketball, you got the ESPN, you got the NBA TV out here in Vegas, you get the Lakers and the Clippers so I can watch every Laker Clipper basketball game if I need to, all of those things, so I am more than uh, satisfied in terms of how much content I can get watching the NBA. If I wanted to, I could watch the NBA every single night, so why would I pay extra to watch the NBA League Pass, so that's uh that's what I'm talking about, so that's one of the reasons why I stay away from the NBA League Pass, Monday, you got NBA TV, Tuesday, you got NBA on TNT, Wednesday, you got the ESPN game, Thursday, you got TNT, Friday, you have the uh, ESPN game, Sunday, after the football season's over, and Saturday and Sunday, you're going to have the NBA game of the week, and do I mention, of course, Lakers clippers play on sunday so if the sunday night football game is not up to my interest i can always kick back and watch a little laker basketball and if the game the sunday night football game is interesting luckily out here they have the replay of the basketball game for the lakers and the clippers so i can schedule my time to uh, watch both or the you know i can watch the sunday night game and i can watch the laker game the sunday night football game in the laker game <clears throat> Also, so, uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good with not having to watch the, uh, without having to get the uh, NBA League Pass. So, that's one of the reasons why I say I'm going to take full advantage, though, and binge watch NBA League Pass this weekend, along with watching the Ken Burns documentary on Muhammad Ali, so that's what my weekend is all about, a lot of football watching, a lot of NBA League Pass watching, a lot of Muhammad Ali with Ken Burns documentary watching, so yeah, that's what I'm all about, so two games on Tuesday night, getting back to the NBA season starting this past Tuesday, Tuesday night games on TNT, Milwaukee started their defense of their NBA championship, with a win over the Brooklyn Nets, the Kyrie Irvingless Brooklyn Nets won 27-104. Giannis Antetokounmpo was brilliant on opening night. 32 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. Chris Middleton, Pat Connington each had 20 points. Drew Holiday sat out the second half with a bruised right heel after scoring 12 points. Mike Bootenholder, the coach of the Bucks, said MRI results on Holiday were very encouraging, so as not going to be something that's going to be uh crippling for the Bucks in their defense of their championship and you know we're speaking about one game into the season 81 more to go I'm quite sure especially after winning this championship that uh you know the uh Bucs and uh, Holiday have plenty of time to make sure when everything is all said and done when money time for real is happening long 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 ways 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 off when the playoffs are starting that uh barring any other injury after this one, that Drew Holiday should be fine and that the heel, the bruised right heel, won't be as much of a notion, won't be much news as it is right now. So, very encouraging sign for Milwaukee Bucks fans. Giannis seemed to have improved his free throw shooting. How about that? Not against Brooklyn, he went 7-9 from the line. So, going back to Milwaukee's title-clinching victory over the Suns in Game 6, where... He went out of his flipping mind. What did he go from the foul line, like 17 or 19 and something like that with that epic 50.14 rebound performance in Game 6, the clinching victory in the NBA Finals over the uh, Phoenix Suns. If you take a look at that, Game 6 from the Finals, and then the first game of the season against Brooklyn, I contender true contender many people are saying the real contender for the championship even more so than the Milwaukee Bucks if you take game six in the game against Brooklyn into account Giannis went 24 of 28 from the foul line yikes I'm not saying that all of a sudden he's going to turn himself into Rick Barry or Paul Pierce or Ray Allen or JJ Redick from the free throw line but my goodness gracious if if Giannis can shoot somewhere between I don't know, like 70 and 75% from the free throw line, good Lord have mercy. You know, we spoke about, you know, who's going to be the MVP, who's going to be the preseason MVP, or who's one of the favorites before the season started to win the MVP, and people were speaking about Luka, and people were speaking about KD, and people were speaking about Steph Curry. If they weren't, those should be the three that they should be speaking about the most. But um, because the fact that he's already won two MVPs, and in fact now he has won a championship that maybe Giannis has fallen maybe into a little bit of that LeBron James type of category in terms of MVP is concerned where, you know, once you establish yourself as the best player in the world, best player in the NBA for a certain amount of time, that it's very hard to top yourself coming off an MVP season and you're the prohibitive best player in the game when you have the moniker when you have that label lebron james i mean how many mvps has he won four or five or something like that somewhere around there three or four or something like that how many years where he didn't win the mvp where he was considered really the best player of the game or it might be a situation where yeah derrick rose might have won the uh, mvp this year and yeah steph curry might have gone back to back as far as the MVPs is concerned including One where he was the unanimous MVP. All of those things are fine and dandy, but if I were starting a team and I had to choose the first player, most of those people would say, Yeah, I'm picking LeBron James. But because LeBron James could not top himself in terms of his greatness, And because of other players who level who raised the level of their games, and they became a story and they became interested and they became something new and something fresh that they were the reason why they won the MVP. We see it all the time in football. I speak about it all the time in football in terms of the MVP is concerned, you need a you need a narrative, you know, you need a storyline, you need an angle. To keep the writers and to keep the fans interested in terms of, wow, this is really something special. This is something really wonderful. This is something really new. What Patrick Mahomes is doing, big fucking deal. We've seen that three years in a row, but what this guy is doing, oh my goodness, it's fantastic. We got to vote for him. We got to vote for MVP. You take a look at the background. You take a look at the narrative. You take a look at the story. This is unbelievable. We got to vote for this guy. So with Giannis, what narrative are we going to bring to the table for him to win the MVP? For the third time in four years, that's not going to hold enough water to be like, wow, three times in four years. If he does, do we start having discussions about, well, is he moving up the ladder in terms of greatest players of our generation? Where does it take him now in terms of greatest players of all time? I mean, does LeBron, in terms of legacy is concerned, now have a rival on his hands with possibility of Giannis uh, moving up to a level to where, you know, he might just be behind the greats like Mike in and, um, and uh, LeBron and, and and Kareem and Wilt and Bill Russell and those type of things. So maybe we can script, maybe we can write down, maybe we can produce a narrative like that. But I really don't think it's going to hold water. Giannis is now just entering his prime at 27 years old. And, you know, realistically, if you want to get to that level, he better win like three or four more championships, win a couple of more MVPs and put up some more uh, MVP, 28 points, 12 rebounds, 6 points points, uh, six assists per game type of seasons for the next, I don't know, five or six years before he gets into that type of discussion. But, but, but what he is doing now, especially after coming off of that championship, whoo, I don't know how much of a, narrative you could write, but it would be rather tasty if you're speaking about Giannis winning a third MVP in fourth game. So as I mentioned before, through all of this, through all of this rambling that I was doing about the MVP discussion and Giannis and that type of thing, what I'm saying is, man, if this guy is going to be hitting 24 out of his last 28 free throws, if he's going to be going through those type of stretches, which means that he's going to raise his points per game another five or six points per game if he's, if he's going to be averaging if he's averaging 24 25 shooting 59 65 from the field free throw line and all of a sudden he comes up and he's going to be shooting 70 to 75 percent 78 percent. if he's got that down which means that possibilities of him improving his uh pull-up game which means improves his 15 to 18 foot jump shot maybe even add a few more percentage points to his three-point shooting, man, now we're speaking, man. Now we're talking, man. Now we're, you know, now we're getting to some dangerous categories. You can speak about KD all you want to. You can speak about James Harden all you want to. You can speak about Steph Curry all you want to. You can speak about Anthony Davis all you want to. You can speak about Luka Doncic all you want to. But uh, you better put some true greatness and respect to the name Giannis Adetokounmpo. If you can't spell it, and if you can't say it, you might as well give a thumbs up and be like a yeah when that name is heard. If he's going to be able to do what he's doing as far as from the free throw line is concerned. Because if he's this good from the free throw line, that means he's going to be that much better from the field three-point line and such again. Which means that the numbers, they're pretty shiny numbers that everybody's going to be taking a look at when we speak about MVPs and when we speak about greatness and when we speak about all those type of things, those numbers, those point-per-game numbers are going to look that much better. So Giannis coming off a performance of a lifetime in Game 6 in the NBA Finals against the um, Brooklyn Nets, their arch rivals by many preseason prognosticators, was brilliant. Outplayed Kevin Durant, who played well, who played well. But Giannis was the best player on a night where Milwaukee had their ring ceremony. No hangover on that uh, night. Now, Thursday night, they suffered a hangover, ring hangover, ring ceremony uh, hangover when they were blown out by Miami, 137-95. Miami opened the game on a 19-0 run gave them a lead which was 22 to 3. Yikes! Milwaukee was outscored 40 to 17 in the first quarter, trailed 72-43 at the high, at the half. Thanks for coming. Uh Tyler Hero, 27 points in 24 minutes off the bench. Jimmy Butler added 21. Bam on Bayou had 20 points and 13 rebounds. Miami set team record for opening night scoring and opening night margin of victory. Hey, man, that's, that's what happens in the NBA where you have, where one team has something to play for and the other one doesn't. When we're speaking about Milwaukee, extended a lot of energy, extended a lot of emotion in getting that win against Brooklyn, and then they're going to come back a couple of days later and then go to Miami and play a team that uh, embarrassed, that um, uh, uh, Milwaukee embarrassed in the playoffs kind of uh, – gave a couple of players on that Miami Heat team a a couple of look in the mirror and reality sets in and, oh, my goodness gracious, I kind of uh, have to face the harsh truth that I'm not as good as I thought I was, see Tyler Hero, and I have to rededicate myself to being a pro, to being uh, all those type of things, the hell that Tyler Hero went through after the bubble experience and then all the expectations that were supposed to be thrust upon him going into uh, his next season and he – greatly disappointed there was even talk about man you know back in the day James Harden when he was with Houston I can't believe that uh you know there was a situation where Miami turned down the opportunity to acquire James Harden unbelievable because they wanted to keep Tyler Hero this was during the season last season where Hero was underperforming greatly and at the beginning when Harden was being shopped around it was like well you know Hero's uh hero's untouchable i wouldn't trade james harden for hero i mean hero's younger and he's got more upside and did you see how he played in the uh, playoffs in the bubble and Harden is 32 and this that, and the other there's no way this that, and the other and by the uh, end of the season it was like damn what a screw-up that miami made not getting uh james harden for tyler hero because there was talk about you know not not 100 guaranteed but there was discussion about hey man should we go ahead and uh, start uh, thinking about trading this kid? So I think all of that got back to Tyler Hero. Well, let me tell you something. When you're dealing with the Miami Heat organization, Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra and such, they don't sugarcoat it, man. They they don't bullshit. They don't they don't try to uh, make sure that uh, your feelings, they don't give a fuck about your feelings. Okay, they tell you the way it is. So I'm quite sure the end of the season discussion with the Miami Heat when it came to Tyler Hero, when he had to meet with Riley and Spolstra and those guys, quite sure it wasn't too pleasant quite sure it wasn't too uh cheerful i'm uh, quite sure there were some words uh used by riley and spolstra that uh really maybe struck a chord with tyler hero to say oh shit you know maybe i need to go ahead and rededicate myself instead of being a um try to be I i don't know like the, the the next generation's male kim kardashian or Paris Hilton or some shit like that, and instead of trying to figure out how I'm going to build my brand, maybe I'm not as far along in terms of being a superstar as I thought I was. Instead of, you know, running around trying to bang IG models and do all those type of things and go out in South Beach and be the fucking man, maybe I need to, uh, you know, bunker down, go back into the dungeon and, uh, you know, develop my game, develop my craft and grow up a little bit because the NBA is a man's league, and if you're not going to act like a man unless you've got otherworldly talents, then you ain't going to be lasting too long, and I think Tyler Hero, after last season, learned that, so he came out in the first game, he was looking great in preseason, so he came out in the season opener and put it on Milwaukee and put it on them quite hard, so one of them one of them situations, man, Milwaukee already, you know, had their statement game, opening game against Brooklyn, You know, shit at the bed against uh, Miami. Giannis had 15 points. Grayson Allen had 14 points. Chris Middleton had 10 points on 4 of 14 shooting from the field. But Milwaukee played without Drew Holiday, as I mentioned before. Sat out because of that uh, right heel injury. Brooke Lopez didn't play because of a back. Bobby Portis uh, left with a hamstring injury. Now, I'm I'm thinking if these games really meant something that Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday would have played. But, you know, we're only speaking about game two on the road. Bucks already made their statement. Bucks already got their uh, jewels. So, you know, moving on with that. So, two games into the season, but Miami looked good. Miami looked good. Miami, like I said, played with revenge in their hearts. Played with revenge in terms of the passion and the intensity that they showed against the Milwaukee Bucks the other night. And Milwaukee was like, "Screw it, man. We already beat you guys in the playoffs." So, you know, we'll uh, you know, g- good luck to you guys. Miami's much improved. Miami much improved with the addition of Cal Lowry. um, They're they're much improved. So we'll see what happens moving forward with that. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Second game of the Tuesday night game, the Golden State Warriors started their season with two good wins. Opening night on Tuesday, as I mentioned before, beat the Los Angeles Lakers. I'll be getting to the Lakers in a second. Y'all calm down. 121-114. Outscored him 68-53 in the second half, allowed 38 points in the fourth quarter. Speaking about the Lakers and that Frank Vogel defense, and despite playing like trash, A.K.A. shooting like trash, five for 21, two for eight from three-point range. Steph Curry, hey Steph Curry, after the game, you heard him on uh, the, the the interview, right? He said he played like trash, like I mentioned before. He said he should have said I shot like trash, but man, shot like trash and still had a triple double. Messed around and got himself a triple double, 21 points. 10 rebounds, 10 assists in 36 minutes. Yeah, shooting-wise, and I know basically that, you know, that's the main thing we're going to be judging Steph Curry on in terms of how well he played is how well that he shot, but just his presence on the court, especially offensively, makes a huge positive impact for Golden State in the game because you have to always, 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 always be cognizant of Steph Curry, what he, where he is, what he's doing, and that. That extends to, what, about 35 feet away from the basket. So I don't give a damn if he misses his first 15, 16, 18, 20, 25 shots. I don't care if he missed his first 25 shots and 24 of them were were air balls and the other one was a brick. It doesn't matter. You still have to give him the same amount of respect. You still have to exert the same amount of attention and energy on that guy as if he hasn't missed a shot because he can go... 0 for 21, and then catch fire and go 6 for 6, 4 for 4 from 3-point range, including a dagger 35-footer with a shot clock running down to give Golden State the victory. So you never want to ignite the flame, which is Steph Curry's shooting. So, yeah, he might have played like trash in terms of uh, his shooting percentage is concerned, but he did other things, and I like mentioned before, just having him on the floor makes, it, uh, makes Golden State a much, much better team regardless of how he's shooting. And he redeemed himself... On Thursday, last night, against the L.A. Clippers in their home opener, speaking about the uh, Golden State Warriors, their home opener, against the uh, Clippers, he scored 45 points, 45 points, 45 points on 16-25 of shooting, 8 of 13 from the three-point line, 10 rebounds in 38 minutes, hit the go-ahead three-pointer with 56 seconds remaining, and then followed that up with a 34-er less than a minute later. Woo! Man, the only real blemish for Curry so far has been turnovers. The first two games, you know, I don't pay too much attention to, um, you know, his bad shooting night. I mean, Curry could have a bad shooting night or two. Doesn't matter. Eventually, hey, man, it's going to what happened where he's going to explode. I almost like to uh, use the, um, I like to use the uh, situation as far as sh- uh, Curry shooting in terms of like if you're living in Los Angeles, right? You you know that. Los Angeles, Southern California get gets earthquakes. Right now, you might not know when it's coming. You might not be able to project when it's coming, but you know eventually an earthquake is gonna be coming. If you live in Louisiana during the summertime, you know that a hurricane is gonna be coming. We don't know if it's gonna be Hurricane Katrina-ish. We don't know how devastating it's gonna be, but you know whether it be in June, July, August, you know that a hurricane is going to be coming. With Steph Curry, that's the same damn thing. You know if Steph Curry goes 5 for 21 or 8 for 23 and goes 2 for 11 or 3 for 14 from the three-point range, you know the performance that he had against the Clippers on Thursday night is coming. A 45-point, 8 for 13 from the three-point line, 16 to 25 shooting, two dagger threes at the end of the game, you know that's coming. Now, you don't know if it's going to be happening game three or game six or game eight or nine or 10, and we don't know how many it's going to happen. He could have a game like that a couple of games in a row. You don't know, but you know that shit is coming. So with Steph Curry in the shooting, you know that's something that you don't have to worry about. As I mentioned before, the only thing, maybe if we're just picking hairs here, the only thing, that might be something where you might have to say, hmm, interesting, is the turnovers. But, you know, Steph is such a creative player, and Steph takes to so many chances that you expect him to have three or four turnovers a game, especially with his ball-handling responsibilities, the way that he cuts, the way that he moves, the way that he grooves, you know, the in that he has, in that he has with Draymond Green. Sometimes doesn't work all the time, but, you know, the style of play that they have, Steph Curry's going to be having turnovers. But if he can minimize those, as I mentioned before, averaging five, maybe, maybe, well, not maybe, it is too much, but he could just, you know, three and a half turnovers per game. I mean, for Steph, that would be really, really good. So Golden State, one of the teams, a lot of people are talking about Golden State this and Golden State that. It's like, man, and then they bring up the fact that, you know, Clay Thompson is going to come back. Man, how good do we know Clay Thompson is going to be when he gets back? People are speaking about, yeah, Clay Thompson is going to be back by Christmas. Okay. Okay. That's fine. That's wonderful. But you you do realize that the Clay Thompson that you're getting back is not the Clay Thompson that we're used to, right? Now I don't know how long it's going to take Clay Thompson to be the Clay Thompson that we all remember. I don't know if Clay Thompson is ever going to get back to the Clay Thompson that he was when everybody, you know, thinks of Clay Thompson at his at the height of his prowess, working with Steph and Draymond and KD and those guys. I don't know if that guy is ever going to come back. Now I know the man can shoot. That that that's a that's a given, and I know that you know as far as being a creator is concerned, an off the ball dribbler, a ISO type of player, that's not his game. And you know the last thing to go when you're speaking about the game of basketball is your shot when you're a shooter. Just like when a you know just like George Foreman, George Foreman is like what what is he now? Seventy something years old. He is he, he could probably get in the ring right now. Still be one of the uh, hardest hitting uh, heavyweights going on right now. The man something is seventy something years old. You never lose your power in boxing. You never lose your ability to shoot the basketball if you're a shooter in that game. So Clay is always going to be able to shoot. The only question is going to be how much more can he contribute? Clay, if you remember, was also a very good two-way player. He was a shooter. He was a defender. Because of the injuries that he's had and he's missed the amount of time that he's had, how much is that going to be um, mitigated? How much of that is going to be damaged from those injuries from the time off? Is he ever going to get close to what he was before as far as being a defender is concerned? If he if he isn't, what does that mean? I think when people are prognosticating what the Golden State Warriors are going to be all about, then they mention, well, we're getting Clay Thompson back. For me, it's like, well, okay, you're gonna get Clay Thompson back as a shooter. And that's something that you need. And if Clay can come back by Christmas, that would give him another four months to round himself in the basketball shape nba basketball and get a shot together get back the con the continuity that he had with draymond and what he had with steph curry and those type of things but i i think when people are speaking about the warriors are going to going to surprise in terms of maybe being a top five top six team in the western conference because clay thompson is coming back i think it's putting way too much pressure and too much unrealistic expectations on Klay Thompson. You're still speaking about a Golden State Warrior team who, I mean, outside of Steph, who else can score? Who else can shoot the ball? Draymond can't. Andrew Wiggins can't. He's not consistent in doing that. Maybe Jordan Poole. But, you know, Jordan Poole hasn't given enough. You know, we, we haven't seen enough of Jordan Poole in terms of doing it on a consistent basis, especially in crunch time, for us to believe that he can be that suitable second score with clay or excuse me with uh, steph to get them to uh, being one of the true contenders for the western conference but i will say this man golden state the way they play you gotta love the way they play i know people whine and complain the old school folks people of my generation are always speaking about there are too many goddamn three-pointers in the game it's either a dunk fucking contest or a three-point shooting contest this isn't basketball this is bullshit well, you, that might be the case, man, but, you know, Golden State is going to shoot a lot of threes. First of all, you have Steph Curry. Why would you not want him to shoot as many threes as possible with his range and with his accuracy? So, number one, I don't I don't know why you would actually, you know, go ahead and bemoan that point, but uh, even though they'll be shooting a lot of threes, and even though sometimes on those three-on-twos and those two-on-ones and those four-on-threes and those odd-man situations, they'll drive you nuts. When you see three guys running to the three-point line, I understand old school, it'll drive you nuts, but man, Golden State is a fun team to watch. Very entertaining team to watch. Extremely entertaining. I'm looking forward to watching Golden State play. I'm interested in watching Charlotte play. I'm interested in watching Denver play. I'm interested in watching, uh, you know, I like. I just love the, I like the New York Knicks. A New York Knicks, a big game feel for the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden great. It's great theater. It's, it's, you know, and and Tom Thibodeau's team is going to give you 110% every single night. I mean, they might not, you know, they're they're, they're not on the upper echelon in terms of Eastern Conference teams are concerned, but with Tom Thibodeau, you know, A, he's going to play the starters a whole lot of minutes, whether it be game one, whether it be game 25, whether it game be 46, 63, 72, no matter what the score is, no matter what the circumstances are, Tom Thibodeau's team with this New York Knicks team, the makeup that they have they are going to give you everything that they've got. So when a team like Milwaukee or a team like Brooklyn or a team like the Lakers or a team like Utah or a team that comes into the MSG and plays maybe in February during the dog days of the season, they know that they had to get themselves ready to play against the Knicks because, A, that garden crowd is going to give them the juice, to go out there and play a game with a lot more passion and intensity and energy than, say, a Tuesday night game during that same time period in Sacramento or Indiana or Orlando and such. And with Thibodeau, playing against a Tom Thibodeau team with that New York Knicks team, if you don't play hard, then you're going to lose that game by 20. So regardless of how good you are, regardless of what your team's expectations are. So that's another team that I'm going to be interested in watching. It's nice to see New York basketball professional basketball back in New York City, so man the NBA Season has started all of these good things going on I'm gonna save the Los Angeles Lakers talk till uh, next uh, segment Losing 121 14. I don't know are people gonna lose their mind like fans? fan. Are you losing your mind already? Well, it'll be interesting to see how they do against uh, Phoenix tonight, but uh, losing the first game of the season I'll get into that when we come back. And what else do I want to talk about? Oh, yeah, I guess we got to go ahead and talk about the mess, the nonsense, which is the Philadelphia 76ers and Ben Simmons. And I don't know what the hell's going on with this stuff, man. But uh, we'll go ahead and we'll take a look at that and take break that down a little bit, talk a little about, take a little, look a little bit about Zion Williamson and such, all of those good things. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, on Wendell's World of Sports, that's exactly it what we're going to be talking about. So make sure when you go ahead and you talk about Wendell's world of sports, make sure when you go ahead and you listen to this podcast, make sure when you go ahead when you download, when you subscribe, when you rate, when you review, make sure that you say, doggone it, you better treat my show with some respect. You better treat Wendell Wallace, the man who's speaking right here, with some respect. You better speak, you better You better go ahead and from your lips, the word from your lips, when you speak about Wendell's world in sports, it's all about respect because respect is what I want. Respect is what I need. And just like Otis Redding said, damn it, give me some respect. Those world of sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Give me some goddamn respect. Give me some respect when I come home. Give me some respect when I start talking about what's happening in the world of sports. Give me some respect when I start speaking about Otis Redding. Give me some respect when I start speaking about what's happening in the NBA. Give me some goddamn respect. When I start speaking about what's happening in college football, in the NFL, soon to be college basketball, and soon to be talking about my Georgetown Hoyas, give me my Georgetown Hoyas and the coach, America's coach, Patrick Ewing, some respect. Not just when I get home. Give it to me when I won't. Give it to me when I need. Give it to me. That's what I'm talking about, because I've got to, got to have it. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A special Otis Reading edition as far as the music is concerned, speaking about what's going down in the world of sports. Yeah, I uh, was playing Otis a whole damn much. I tell you what, because uh, for the kids up in Mesquite, you know, they got to get a little culture in them. You know, got to get a little something else. Uh, Than uh, what they've been listening to A lot of these folks, a lot, it's interesting A lot of those kids come into the uh, classroom and such And they're wearing like N.W.A. and Tupac And all this kind of stuff And I'm taking a look at them And I'm like, man, where in the world did you get that shirt? Because y'all are too young to know anything about N.W.A. And Tupac and Eazy-E and all those folks And they're like, oh yeah, my uncle got it for me My father got it for me You know, you know, fatherly figure got it for me This, that, and the other And, 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 and that's fine, that's wonderful but, you know, before you start sitting there talking about, you know, NWA and Eazy-E and all them clowns and two, two punk and two dead and Tupac, uh, you know, rewrote everything about the black community and, you know, they're the standard bearers and all this kind of nonsense, let me kind of educate you. Let me even go a little bit further back in terms of if it wasn't for folks like Sam Cooke, if it wasn't for folks like Ray Charles, if it wasn't for folks like James Brown, if it wasn't for folks like Duke Ellington, if it wasn't for folks like Robert Johnson, if it wasn't for folks like. Otis Redding, there would be no Motown, there would be no Stacks, there would be no, uh, uh, you know, hip-hop, there would be no rap, there would be no West Coast rap, and for the most part, about 95% of that garbage, that's the only good thing that would have happened if there was not any of those pioneers who paved the way for those clowns to go ahead and do what they did, but uh, yeah, man, so next time, guess what, when I'm doing in-house, and those Kids are whining and complaining because they can't get their phone. Because they were late too many classes, and you have to spend the day in in house. You guys are just sitting around moping and sleeping and doing all those things and not getting anything productive done. Mr. Wallace is going to to be teaching you a little bit about Sam Cooke. He's going to be teaching you about Otis Redding. He's going to be teaching you about Stack Studios. He's going to be teaching you about Levi Stubbs and the Four Tops. He's going to be teaching you about Ray Charles. He's going to be teaching you about James Brown. He's going to be teaching you about all of them things to educate yourselves even more. If you want to be inundated with a little bit of black culture, believe me, it goes a lot farther than Nipsey Hussle, Eazy-E, Tupac, and all those other folks that you have really no understanding about. So give me some respect. Give Otis Redding some respect, because I just played the alternative version. This is the version that most people hear. This is the version that I, I like for the most part. But, uh, you know, this version right here, l- l- listen, to, listen to this gem. You see that's what i'm talking about that's the version that most people know about when they speak about respect by otis redding if they listen to respect by otis redding most people just go on the assumption that it was aretha who did respect she did a fantastic awesome legendary job but the man who wrote the song respect along with speedo sims was otis redding and most people know this version if they look at or they listen to this song respect but i've got both versions so when I, uh, next time I go in there, I have the opportunity to teach them kids about what's happening, what's going on in my community in terms of the history. If you don't know your history, you can't go forward in the future with the, uh, understanding and the knowledge to, uh, learn, to listen, to respect others. So, yeah, man. So if, them kids up there are thinking about uh being late to class three times and have to spend a day in detention and i'm up there monitoring detention you best believe instead of up there these kids up there whining about i can't use my cell phone i need my cell phone i want my cell phone and all that bullshit instead y'all gonna be listening to some sam cook you're gonna be listening to some stories about sam cook about levi stubbs and the four tops about the temptations about mary wells it's about about Booker T, and the MGs, about Sam and Dave, about Donnie Hathaway, about Otis Redding, about Stack Studios, about Motown, about Barry Gordy, about Marvin Gaye, moving on up. So, yeah, the seven hours that you're going to be spending in, in-house, you better best believe that you're going to be listening to Mr. Wallace spit some knowledge because, as I mentioned before, when I leave this earth, I want to make sure that I do everything that I can to make sure that I leave it in a better place for the people that I've been around. So, hey. You know what, understanding, educating, listening, learning, that's what these kids need when it comes to our community instead of some of the stereotypes that's being thrown at them. So yeah, you best believe those things are going to be happening when I'm going to be in the classroom. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. All right, all right, let's get back to talking about some basketball, talking about some sports. The Los Angeles Lakers opening game loss, 121-114 to the Golden State Warriors, as I mentioned before. Warriors outscored them 68-53 in the second half. The Lakers allowed 38 points in the fourth quarter. Russell Westbrook had a bad game. One or two of the things that you could take away from, though, in terms of uh, the Lakers moving forward, one game, 81 more to go. Come on now. They're going to play later on tonight against the Phoenix Suns at home, so we'll see what happens. But for the most part, when I was taking a look at the Lakers on uh, Tuesday night, two of the things that... um, two of the things that uh, if you're a Laker fan has to be positive is the fact that uh, LeBron still looks like a top tier player I I I know that uh, you know from one year to the next that he's not going to fall off the cliff I'm kind of going to be guesstimating when that's going to be but uh, hey so far man it's a situation where LeBron was strong ad was strong those are the two players that uh you're going to have to contend with if you're the phoenix suns if you're the utah jazz if you're the denver nuggets if you're any of those teams looking to uh do something in the playoffs you know lebron and ad are going to be the two guys and opening night they uh look pretty pretty focused they look ready to uh compete for a championship compete for a title whether it be nba or western conference LeBron had 34 points, 11 rebounds. Davis had 33 points and 11 rebounds. No other Laker, of course, scored in double figures. In fact, if you take away the fact that LeBron and AD went for a combined 28 of 49 from the field, the rest of the team shot 17 of 46, which is 27%. Yeah, yeah. Now, James and Davis... Need a little work from the three-point line where they were combined six of 18 and especially from the free throw line where they were a combined five of 13 LeBron going two of seven but for years LeBron has always had an inconsistent uh, narrative when it comes to free throw shootings uh but free throw shooting excuse me but uh yeah both from the line and from the three-point line combined now James was five for 11 for the three-point line and I noticed, and you should notice, the fact that as he gets older in his career that he had developed not just that 21-foot three-point shot, but also he can move it out to 27, 28 feet away from the basket, not making it with the same uh, consistency as a Damian Lillard or a Steph Curry, but the fact that, uh, you know, he's adjusting his game to the fact that he's 35 years old, 34 years old, 36 years old, somewhere around there. He's played a ton of minutes throughout his career, and while people want to sit there and talk about, you know, how LeBron isn't slowing down, and yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Number one, you can take a look at his body and see how thicker it is that the fact that he's, you know, getting up there in age in terms of playing basketball is concerned. He doesn't have the explosiveness. He doesn't have the lift. He doesn't have the athletic abilities that he had six, eight, ten years ago, which, I mean, you know, congratulations. You're just like every other human being that God ever created. So, but he still has enough skill set. He still is as far as a basketball player, an absolute savant when it comes to the game. And he's developed a skill set to where he can still be, you know, a great player. And while his physical skills have diminished, he was so far ahead of everybody else when he was in his athletic prime that even as he, you know, lost some of his speed and his explosiveness and some of his physical traits, he's still a really good athlete for being an NBA basketball player. So, uh, you know, as of right now, now it's a long season, and you also have to remember that, you know, what, being older, the fact that you're more prone to injuries, and when you do get injured when you're older, it takes you a lot longer to recover from those injuries than you were when you were just a young buck. So, you know, the chances of LeBron getting hurt this season you know, are, I wouldn't say great, but they're, you know, you have to put that into the narrative and in the fact that, yeah, every basketball player has an opportunity to get injured, Wendell. It doesn't matter if you're 36 or 19. I mean, what the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck I'm talking about is when you're 19, 21, 22, 23, you know, unless you're something of a you know someone who has a you know acl tear or something like that but you know you're speaking about a strain here a pulled muscle here a sprained ankle here you know bum knee here bad shoulder here that type of thing when you're younger i mean you can recover from those type of injuries a lot quicker than say when you're 34 35 36 lebron's age with all that wear and tear that he has on his body so you know an opportunity for him to pull a muscle to strain a muscle at 36 is a lot greater than it was when he was 26. And if he did sprain that muscle now, being 36 years old, the fact that his recovery time is going to be longer than if he had the same injury when he was 24, 26, 32 years old has to be put into the equation when we're speaking about the Lakers moving forward and being one of the favorites to not just compete for an NBA championship, but to win an NBA championship. And that goes with uh, Anthony Davis, who... Has never really had the one thing about A D and his injury history, he, he's never really had like that one debilitating out for the season type of injury. He's never had a an Achilles, he's never had an ACL tear, you know, just uh just a knock on wood here, cause I don't want anything to happen to AD in, in those situations. But he just had these like annoying type of sprains and pulls and discomfort type of deals where it just accumulates over the years. So it's like, you know, it could be his ankle, it could be his shoulder, it could be his left knee, it could be his right knee, it could be his left ankle, it could be his right shoulder, it could be his, uh, you know, pelvis, it could be his Achilles. It's just just, this myriad of injuries where it's not like, okay, we can kind of go ahead and kind of pinpoint or take a look at one of the weaknesses. Oh, he has a... Bad, he had bad feet, or, oh, you know, his left knee is been giving him problems, or, you know, uh, with you know, Steph Curry had ankle problems back in the day, which caused him to, uh, uh, you know, which had the organization, you know, contemplating whether this was a guy that was going to be able to... wasn't going to be able to be the guy in terms of being the franchise player because he kept always injuring his ankles well it's a situation where we can kind of focus on that and see what we could do through equipment through training through rehab and such to strengthen the ankles so that wouldn't be a problem and as we see in the analysis of Steph Curry it hasn't been the case for him in terms of being a injured risk uh for uh, you know, for years and years and years now. Yeah, he missed most of the season a couple of seasons ago, but that was because of a freak accident in terms of him trying to brace himself after a fall and injuring his wrist. It had nothing to do with prior history of ankle problems, which plagued him the first be- for the beginning part of his career. With LeBron, or AD, excuse me, it's one of those things where it's like you can't pinpoint one thing because he's always getting injured on a different poly- body part each time. But at least coming out here for game one. Again, 81 games, a whole lot of ways to go. He uh, he looked aggressive. He looked strong. He looked in shape. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Russell Westbrook had a bad performance in his first regular season game for the Lakers, as I mentioned before. Um, not Just not good. And he got hard on, you know, he was down on himself and everything, and this is terrible, and this is horrible. And he was, 9 points for a 13 Shooting 0-4 from the three-point range. Five rebounds, four assists, four turnovers. It was a team worse, negative 23 in the plus-minus ratio. Most important thing, though, was Westbrook moving forward. This one game, Vogel came out and was like, hey, you know what, I didn't give him enough chances. I didn't put him in enough really good positions for him to do anything. So, you know, for the next game and beyond, I'm going to see what I can do to get him the ball more, to get him more involved in the offense. And it's a, it's a learning experience, not just for... Vogel but also for Westbrook His teammates and everything else You know the situation like this so Westbrook has also had a history of Starting slow I remember uh, Last uh, season with the Wizards First couple of months he was horrible he was absolutely flipping horrible. Then near the end of the season, he was one of the better players in the Eastern Conference. It was one of the catalysts for the Wiz making the uh, NBA playoffs. It was the same thing um, the year of the COVID uh, situation in the NBA, where you know before he um, before the NBA season was suspended after a very slow start with Houston and trying to learn the uh, given gives and takes of a basketball player that's named James Harden. You know, once they made that trade to really open up the small ball and uh, put Westbrook in really good positions to be doing some things, I mean, he was one of the better players in the NBA during that time. So, you know, for the first, I don't know, man, 10, 15, 20, even, you know, 25, 30 games, I'm not really going to be one way or the other judging Russell Westbrook in terms of whether this trade has been a success or not, regardless of what he does. I mean, not unless he plays himself completely out of the rotation, which I know that's not going to happen. He makes too much money for that to be happening along with that name and who his buddy is. So I know that's not going to be happening. But, you know, as the season moves along, I think Westbrook is going to get better. The thing is with him, though, he's going to have to understand that it's going to take time. And to reach the expectations within the Lakers is more important than reaching the expectations of him individually. Now, a lot of times when Westbrook, say, was with Oklahoma City and he had a bad game, he would take it upon himself to try to single-handedly uh, right the wrongs from the night before. This is a situation where, look, man, you ain't at Oklahoma City, okay? You ain't running the franchise. You ain't running the show. You know, just like uh, when he was well, Oklahoma City and he was outplayed one game in the playoff by Ricky Rubio, and he was going to uh, go ahead and show everybody that ricky rubio was nowhere near the player that he was so he was aggressive and he was you know ball hogging the opportunities and he was doing all those type of things it was a competitive nature it's nothing ego in terms of uh, you know i want to get my points i want to get my shots and everything it's just the ego of him to say that i'm so great that you know what i'm going to right this wrong and i'm going to do it single-handedly by myself and the Oklahoma City Thunder, especially after Kevin Durant left because of free agency, I mean, he got carte blanche to do those things. Now that he's with the Lakers, he can't. I mean, he scored nine points, as I mentioned before. You read, I read the stat line to you. Nine points, Five rebounds, four assists, four turnovers, 0 for 4 from the three-point range, 4 for 13 from the uh, field. He was really down on himself. LeBron's like, hey, man, you got a wife and three kids. Go watch a comedy or something like that. A smile, laugh, don't worry about it. It's only one game. That's not Russell Westbrook, for the most part, in terms of uh, that situation, that scenario. But what he's going to have to learn is that, you know what, when he comes back the next day, it's all about the team. For the Lakers to be the team that many people expect them to be, it can't be, I had a bad game, so I'm going to try to right the wrong by myself, by taking a lot of shots, by, you know, having a high usage rate and all those type of things. It's a situation where, hey, man, you just got to continue to go with the flow. It's going to be a slow process. It's going to be a steady process. It's going to be a consistent process. And you ain't going to be getting from zero to 60 in 2.3 seconds. You know, the car is too old and there's too many mileage. Uh, On the odometer For you to be You know The old uh, Russell Westbrook To be able to uh, Will a game Bend a game To your will It's not going to be happening now You have to be patient And you have to learn Within the system Of our offense Of what we're doing And also Because Your usage rate Is not going to be at high Because your need to be as responsible for what happens on the offensive end is not going to be as great as it was when you were with the Oklahoma city thunder, because now we have LeBron, we have AD and others. The fact that maybe you should try to rectify the right from wrongs on more than just scoring rebounds and assists for instance playing defense for instance helping out on defense for instance making more hockey assists to get players available setting a good screen doing a couple of cuts maybe some uh you know backdoor cuts or something like that diversify what you do on the basketball court because the days of you uh you know doing what you did in oklahoma city are going to be long gone so I'm just hoping someone, or I'm quite sure he probably realizes, look, I I can't go ahead and, you know, get revenge on a bad game the way I used to when I was with Oklahoma City and do it the way that I would do it when I was with Oklahoma City. I've got to find other ways. So if I score the next game against Phoenix, if I score 14 points with uh, six rebounds and five assists, well, if I only have two turnovers and I play really good defense on Devin Booker or Chris Paul or... Mikael Bridges or whoever they put me on there and, uh, you know, my up my teammates pretty well and, you know, my off-the-ball movement was really good, opened up some things for uh, LeBron or Carmelo or whatever and, you know, if if that's going to be the situation, that's going to be the situation now. He's got to look at something other than just points, rebounds, and assists to determine whether he had a good game or not or whether he uh, justified uh, doing what he did to compensate for the weak performance that he had the game before the week before or whatever, so, Moving forward with the Lakers, that's the one thing I'm going to be interested in. And, you know, some of the things that we talked about, the lack of outside shooting, um, you know, reared his ugly head against the Warriors on Tuesday night. The fact that, again, 38 points, 68 points in the second half shows the deficiencies that the Lakers have on defense. Don't know how that's going to be rectified Ken Bazemore I guess you could probably say who I didn't even have in the rotation when I was speaking about you know important players for the Lakers Avery Bradley and Wayne Ellington are your two best defenders right now that's scary that's really scary for the Lakers if you're going to be looking to repeat so you know those are the things that are happening in Lakerland. again one game one game into the season we'll see how the thing matriculates down the uh, down the road Wendell's World in Sports I'm your host Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us Jamming on what's happening in the NBA The first couple of days Oh, the Philadelphia 76ers Ben. you thought that uh, the Brooklyn Nets were a drama show That uh, must be seen, right? <laughs> I mean, geez, man The Ben simmons Philadelphia 76ers Beat the Zionist Williamson-less New Orleans Pelicans 117-97 Joel Embiid had 22 points and 12 rebounds Reserve Furkan Korkmaz hit four three-pointers in the fourth quarter to also score 22 points. Tyrese Maxey, second-year guy from Kentucky in the starting lineup in Simmons' absence, had 20 points, seven rebounds, and five assists. Now, why was Ben Simmons not there? Why was Ben Simmons not playing? Well, you know, uh, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, Ben Simmons tells the 76ers' brass that he's not mentally ready to play. Huh? Sources told ESPN that Simmons met with Coach Doc Rivers and the team medical professionals Friday to inform them of his status. Simmons also spoke with his teammates. He has not yet be he's not yet been evaluated. And the next steps will be based on the determination of medical professionals, which will be are you not medical are you not mentally ready to play because you don't want to be here you don't want to be around the team you don't want to be in the city in terms of playing in front of these whole fans because you're a mental midget and you can't handle the boos or you can't handle the adversity or you can't handle the negativity that's coming your way if that's the reason why you're not quote unquote mentally ready to play or is this a pure doctor diagnosis in terms of mentally he's not ready to play I'm thinking the former rather than the latter. Because basically, if it's the latter in terms of if he's really, you know, in a place mentally where he's unable to play, the Sixers still have to pay him. If he's mentally ready to play, but he just doesn't want to play because his feelings are hurt and he doesn't want to play for the team, well, then the 76ers can go ahead and find him. They can say, well, you're going to show up for work or you can stay home and we're going to find you. Which one is it going to be? So... This whole nonsense with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, man, I don't know. I I, I don't know what to flip and make of this in terms of what they're going to be doing moving forward. Again, Daryl Morey has every right to say, look, I'm not going to give this guy away. I'm not going to give him away. But the more that Ben Simmons does all this nonsense, it makes a team who might want to trade for him in terms of what are we going to do with this guy if, A, he's not mentally ready to play, B, he's talking about, oh, yeah, I have back problems, or, oh, yeah, my back's acting up, so that's another reason why I can't play. And Doc said that that, uh, Simmons is just not physically ready to play. So if you're looking to trade for Ben Simmons— I mean, I don't know exactly what you're looking for. If you're a team in the playoffs, are you going to trade for Ben Simmons again? Understand, it's a long season, and he's got plenty of time to get himself in shape, both physically and mentally. I get all those things, but damn, man! I mean, you know, we want to hit the court, kind of running very quickly. And how long is this going to last? If we're going to be, if this is this going to be, you know, a holdout till the? Trade deadline? Is this going to be a situation where it's going to be rather quickly? or the 76ers still stubborn enough to sit there and say we either want Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard? How much longer are you going to wait? How much longer are you going to deal with this? Is it a distraction? Is it not a distraction? Well, time will tell. I mean, beating New Orleans, especially without Zion, is nothing to be dancing in the street like Martha and the Vandellas or dancing on the ceiling, ceiling like Ronald Ritchie. But still, man, this is a situation where this is a long season, and the more this lingers, and the more you have to deal with this, the more the players have to deal with this, I mean, you can only do the rallying cry for so long, we're going to, you know, fuck you, Ben Simmons, we're going to play because we don't need your ass, you don't want to uh, be part of us, you, wanna, you don't want to be a part of this team, all right, screw you, we're going to go ahead and we're going to play with that fire and energy to show you that, uh, you know, basically you're an asshole and we don't want you here anymore the team can only run on that for so many games it's not going to help you in the dog days it's not going to help you in the playoffs it's not going to help you in tough times by during an important part of the game that you know out, out outside after calling the um, after drawing up a, a an out-of-bounds timeout play that Doc Sim- that uh, Doc Rivers is going to say remember guys Ben Simmons is not here. That would normally be for Ben Simmons, but he decided that he didn't want to be with you guys. So when you run this play, run it with the anger and the passion and the desire to show Ben Wilson, Ben Wilson, geez, Ben Simmons, that he is wrong and this, that, and the other. It doesn't work that way. doesn't work that way. So we'll, we'll we'll see. But as I mentioned before, it's it's a no-win situation for for everybody. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. Very quickly, I'm going to talk about the – NBA top seventy five list, right? Did you see this? Top seventy five list, this the NBA's 20, 75th year that uh the NBA has been around. So they came up with the greatest seventy five players. Just like back in the day when the NBA was celebrating its fiftieth uh anniversary, that they went ahead and did the fiftieth greatest players So the seventy five players who were named Total of 158 NBA championships. I'm quite sure Bill Russell probably has about 150 of them. 730 NBA All-Star selections. I think Will Chamberlain has at least 716 of them. A combined 110 Kia NBA Most Valuable Player Awards and Bill Russell NBA Finals MVP awards and more than 1.5 million points scored i'm quite sure jordan has about 1.25 of those million points scored so it's an interesting panel because i always like to take a look and see who exactly was um doing the voting here to lend credence and substance to you know players who were on it and players who were not on it it was a potpourri of uh players and Writers and you know other folks who are associated with the NBA who came up with these uh, 75 players. You had such luminaries as uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Michael Jordan and Oscar Robertson and Tim Duncan and David Robinson and Magic Johnson and Dave Bing and you know those guys. You had you know established writers like you know David Aldridge and Sam Smith and Sam uh, Amick, Amick, excuse me and, uh, you know, Mark Spears, so you, you had that type of uh, crew in terms of those who know the game. You also had, you know, Doris Berg following the game, Ernie Johnson, uh, Hannah Storm, eh, whatever, um, you know, Michael Wilbon, you had players like uh, uh, Lenny Wilkins, James Worthy, Bill Walton, Jerry West, I've mentioned Kareem before, Pat Riley was another one of these guys who uh, had to say so, John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas, Cheryl Swoop, so Really a good list of folks to give give us a really good, you know, 75 players. So we already before named the 50th greatest player, the 50 greatest players, the last 26 players who made the list. You're speaking about Ray Allen and Carmelo Anthony and Elgin Baylor and Dave Bing, Kobe Bryant, Billy Cunningham, Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, Dave the LeBron James, Jason Kidd, Kawhi, Damian Lillard, Pete Maravich, Bob McAdoo, Reggie Miller, Earl Monroe, Shaquille O'Neal, Gary Payton, Paul Pierce, Dennis Rodman, interesting, Dolph Shades, old school, Dwayne Wade, Russell Westbrook, Lenny Wilkins, Dominique Wilkins. Some of these guys, when they named the top 50 players, I mean, Stephen Curry wasn't around, Anthony Davis wasn't around, Kawhi Leonard wasn't around, LeBron James wasn't around, Russell Westbrook wasn't around, Dwayne Wade wasn't around. So, you know, these were guys where, you know, once those guys started playing and establishing themselves, Kobe Bryant was just starting his NBA career. But so, you know, so once... The next list was made. You, you, you were going to have to put guys like, you know, Kobe and LeBron and Steph and those guys in there. So interesting. Some of the players who were left off the list included my hero growing up. Bernard King, Vince Carter, Dekembe Mutombo from Georgetown University. Sham. Um, Yao Ming, Walt Bellamy, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, Tracy McGrady, my main man, Adrian Dantley from DeMatha High School, artist Gilmore, Dwight Howard, Clay Thompson, Tony Pacquiao, Alex English, Bob Lanier, Paul Gasol, Manu Ginobili, Chris Bosh, and from Georgetown University, Alonzo Mourning. Interesting. I don't know, man, with these lists. I, You know, it's barbershop discussion type of things, you know, in terms of who should be on, who shouldn't be on, who's the greatest, who's not the greatest. At least they didn't have the old, you know, rank them from 1 to 75. I mean, that would just be too ridiculous, but... You know, it's just, just, uh, just, uh, hey. I, I, mean, for those who got left off, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, for me, I would put Bernard King in there. For me, I would put, I would put a uh, Pal Gasol in there. I would maybe put Tony Parker in there. Well, I bias, biases would probably have me put Adrian Dantley in there. But I mean, you know, there's some guys. When you're speaking about this, how again do we come up with the greatest? basketball players of all time. I mean, how, how are we going to be doing this? Are we just going to be going by stats? Are we going to going be going by impact of, of uh, the era that they played in? Are we going to be going by championships? I mean, I'm quite sure the answer will be yes to all of those. But <clears throat> when you start weighing how much, you know, you should put into how many championships a guy won opposed to how many points he scored throughout his career, what era that he played in, and you tally that up against you know, a guy who played basketball in the NBA in the 1950s or in the 1960s. I mean, how do you compare Adolph Shays to a Grant Hill? You know, how do you put in a Bill Walton but not put in a Grant Hill? Those type of things. I mean, how do you not recognize better the accomplishments of Alex English but you put in George Gervin? So players who are going to be on the in 25 years, I guess, when the next... Greatest NBA players are released when the NBA is celebrating their 100th year of being a, uh, of being a league. You're going to have guys like Luka and Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid and yes, Kyrie Irving, even if he never comes back to play again, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, John Morant. Some of these guys are just projections. Luka's a projection. Jokic is a projection. Embiid is a projection. Morant is a projection. Booker is a projection. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that um, those guys are going to be included. And as the time goes on, you have to keep expanding. You just can't say, well, you know, we're going to name the top 50 or we're just going to go with 50 because if you have to put in, of course, for instance, going back to this list right now, the next 26 that you put in there, I mean, of course, you're going to have to put in uh, someone like a Shaquille O'Neal. You're going to have to put in someone – I think Shaquille was on the 50th anyway. But, but you know, I think uh, a situation where you're putting in a Steph Curry, you're putting in an Anthony Davis, you're putting in a LeBron James, you're putting in a Jason Kidd, you're putting in a Damian Lillard, you're putting in a uh, Ray Allen, you're putting in a Kobe Bryant. So if you're just going to be going by 50, and we're going to keep it at 50, well, who are you going to take off? Like, who does Kobe Bryant, the 50 greatest basketball players of all time, who does Kobe Bryant replace? Who does LeBron James replace? Who does Jason Kidd replace? Who does Chris Paul replace? Who does Stephen Curry replace? Now, most people are going to go to the, you know, the deepest, darkest of the NBA in terms of when it first began and say, well, you know, if you're you're really going to put Bill Sharman over Kobe on that, or if you're speaking about the 50 greatest players, you're going to have Kobe Bryant and LeBron and... Jason Kidd and Curry and those guys well you know obviously guys like Bill Sharman, guys like Tommy Heisen guys like uh, I don't know Hal Greer, Hal, you know the guys that we never heard of, guys that we never saw play guys that don't have any f- film on them, guys in the infancy of the NBA of course you know when we see those guys the, the, some of the th- some of the moves and some of the games that they had of course you're going to say well shit you're really going to think some, you know Do you you really think Bob Cousy is going to be able to to, to stand stand up against Steph Curry? Of course. Naturally, you would say, yeah, as far as basketball players are concerned, yeah, Steph Curry over Bob Cousy, but if you're in a situation where, well, wait a minute now, it wasn't for Bob Cousy and what he did when he came into the league being one of the pioneers that was the foundation for guys like Pete Maravich, for guys like Steph Curry, for guys like Isaiah Thomas, for for those type of guys, for guys like Allen Iverson and such, if it wasn't for Bob Cousy, that type of style of play and that type of player that we see now on an everyday wouldn't exist, so So the importance that Bob Cousy had on the NBA and his maturation and his growth and where it is now, well, of course you're going to put him as one of the top 50 players in the NBA, despite the fact that, yeah, if you put a Stephen Curry 6'3 and his shooting ability and range and everything up against a 5'10", 155-pound soaking wet Bob Cousy who would sit there and shoot ugly-looking set shots and have a vertical of 15 inches, well, of course, based on the physical, you would put those guys off the list if you were doing that, but other things have to be incorporated. Other things have to be discussed. Everything, uh, all, all other things have to be put in play when you're speaking about those things. So I guess for me, if I take a look, just some of the questionable players that made the top 75, I mean, Bill Walton, Robert Parrish. I love Bob McAdoo. I love Bob McAdoo. I love Bob McAdoo, but McAdoo, really? Over over a chris bosh over a bernard king again if you're gonna put bill walton bill walton had two bill walton had one awesome year and he was a great role player in his second uh you know memorable season with uh in the nba i mean other than that what did he do i mean everybody goes into well you know what he did at ucla what he did at ucla in the short time that he was playing for the Portland Trailblazers them winning the championship in 1977 and the fact that the next season that Portland was rolling until oops guess what Bill Walton had foot injuries and that derailed his career but okay you can't for me you can't put in the narrative yeah Bill Walton deserved to be one of the greatest players of all time because if he didn't have the foot surgeries he would have been going down as one of the greatest centers of all time but guess what he did have the foot injuries that should play a role into something Now, obviously, it didn't impact him enough to be taken off the list and always be regarded as one of the greatest centers or one of the best centers who's ever played the game with the caveat of, well, the only reason why we don't mention him more is the fact that he got injured because he had foot problems. Well... That plays into the equation. If that's the case, you should put Arvita Sabonis in there, because Arvita Sabonis, when he was in a, when he was before he came into the NBA, he was the best big man in the league. Not David Robinson, not Patrick Ewing, not uh, any of those guys. It was widely regarded that the best big man in the game was Arvita Sabonis when he was in his prime, playing for. I don't know what league he was playing for overseas, but the guy was 7'3", able to put the ball on the floor, able to, uh, you know, get a defensive rebound and lead the break, able to throw unbelievable passes. I mean, what we see with Nikola Jokic and these guys today, are Venus Sabonis was doing that back 40-something years ago. And when he came to the Portland Trailblazers because of knee injuries and he was past his prime, he was still a very valuable player for that Portland Trail trailblazer team why is he not somewhere ranked in there now i understand you're gonna say because he didn't play in the nba for the majority of his career you stupid son of a bitch but all right but still i mean when we're talking about who should be in and who should be out and what should we should be uh you know measuring what should be the measuring stick and such i just feel that bill walton is a guy well yes i agree Bill Walton looked like if he didn't have foot injuries that he would have been one of the greatest centers who played the game. He would have been a top 15, 20 basketball player of all the time if he didn't have the foot injuries. But guess what? If I wasn't so damn ugly looking and had no game, maybe I could have got with someone like a Beyonce. So you can't say, yeah, Wendell, I'm just a man and I'm just a ladies' man and I'm the greatest thing of all time except for the fact that I'm fat, lazy, out of shape, bad looking, and not too bright. You can't put that into the, the equation and then do something like that, so yeah, Bill Walton, number one, is questionable for me, Robert Parrish, questionable, Carmelo Anthony, I'm sorry, questionable, Pete Maravich, I'm sorry, questionable, Kawhi Leonard, questionable, I don't think he's done enough just yet, I think that he should be put into the category of when they release the next great list of 100 basketball players, no doubt, I think Kawhi should be in there, but when we're speaking about 75, The top 75 players, we're going to put Kawhi in there Over someone like um, Oh, I don't know, like a Bernard King Or a a Tony Parker Or a Manu Ginobili You're going to put Kawhi Above those guys, or you're going to put Kawhi in there And not have Manu or Tony Parker Interesting, interesting So, that's just my take on these lists I never really got into these lists And everything, it's just, like I said It's just just, uh, good Discussion points And gave me some ammunition to speak about my mind on those things but I pay it no mind I don't I don't know and you want to tell me who the greatest player basketball players of all time I don't know I don't know what your criteria is I don't know what your definition is you could easily say the greatest basketball players are all centers outside of Jordan you could have uh, the greatest basketball name the five greatest basketball players okay there's Jordan Kareem Bill Russell Wilt Chamberlain and uh, LeBron James that's not the starting five. As you know, I mean, how can you have that team when you don't have a small forward, you don't have a power forward, you don't have a point guard? Maybe LeBron could play point guard on that team, but I mean, you know, you take a look at that. But how can you argue that, you know, when you talk about the greatest basketball players of all time, how can you not mention a guy like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? How can you not mention a guy like Wilt Chamberlain who once averaged 50 points and 27 rebounds in the season? And how can you not have someone like a Bill Russell who's the greatest winner in sports anywhere on the globe in the history of sports? How can you leave him off? You know, I I I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you figure out these things. I don't know, and it's and it makes my head hurt. So, you know, basketball stuff. You know, who's greater, Jordan or LeBron? Who gives a flying fuck, man? Who would you rather? Who would you rather bang? Would you rather bang Halle Berry in her prime or Selma Hayek? Can you really go wrong with either one? I mean, are you really gonna sit there and argue? I and mean, if you had the opportunity to get with one night, if you had the opportunity to get with either Halle Berry or Selma Hayek in we flipped a coin and I chose heads and you got to sleep with Halle Berry and you got to sleep with uh, Selma Hayek, would you really be sitting up there talking about, God damn it, fuck, I got to sleep with Selma Hayek tonight, son of a bitch, I mean, fuck it, I ain't going to do it, I mean, really, are we, are we going to go that route? Because if you are, I got a name for you, it's called being gay, So you're or blind, or, I don't know, asexual, or whatever, so, I mean, basically, what I'm saying is all these, all these guys that are great, all of these players who were left off the the top 75 are all-time greats. Some of the questionable players to make the top 75 are great. You could do a list of 150 greatest basketball players, and they would all be great. So, like I said, nice little discussion point, nice little thing to recognize that the NBA's been around 75 years, but uh, for the most part, I don't pay it no mind. So, you know what? Before I go to break, I just want to say one thing. All of these players, give them some satisfaction. Give Bernard King some satisfaction. Give Dwayne Wade some satisfaction. Give Nikola Jokic some satisfaction. You've got, you've got to give them, you've got to give them all nothing but satisfaction. Wendell's World is Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in... The world of sports, bonjour, bonsoir, monsieur, mademoiselle, Jim Appel, Wendell Wallace, Wendell's world in sports. So glad that you could be with us. Shalom, Wassalam alaikum, my brothers and sisters. Namaste, konnichiwa, What is happening? What is going on? Kaposi, mi amigos, me amo. Wendell Wallace, Wendell's world in sports. So glad that you could be with us. Speaking a lot about NBA, NBA heavy these uh, first two segments of the podcast. Now let's get into week seven of what's happening in the NFL. Thursday night game between the Denver Broncos and the. Cleveland Browns, Cleveland playing without Baker Mayfield, still 117-14, another loss for the Denver Broncos after a 3-0 start. They've now lost four games in a row. The hot seat for Vic Fangio, the coach of the Broncos, is getting hotter, getting hotter, getting hotter. Yes, I know that they played on the road, but damn, you should be able to go ahead and beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. In the Cleveland Browns with uh, with or without Baker Mayfield. So moving forward, the uh, Browns improve. Good game from Case Keenum's solidness uh, applied when we're speaking about Keenum and the job that he did against the Broncos. I guess the next question is going to be, well, you know, if he continues to play this way, what about Baker Mayfield? What about the starting position when Baker Mayfield is ready to play, which I'm going to go on the assumption that it's going to be uh, next Sunday that uh, he'll be the starting quarterback. Too much of a, too much of a pivotal year for the Browns and Baker Mayfield to uh, go ahead and have him being benched, unless you know, unless, unless Case Keenum plays out of his mind, which he didn't on Thursday. I mean, there's no reason in terms of uh, you know benching Baker Mayfield to play Case Keenum. This is a situation where this year you're gonna have to find out if. Baker Mayfield is going to be your quarterback for the future, and if you go ahead and you decide that Case Keenum is going to give you a better chance to win, that means that you've already found out what the answer is of that question with Baker Mayfield being your starting quarterback moving forward in the future. If Case Keenum is going to be the starter for the rest of the season, the answer the answer is going to be no. I know that the Browns have a lot of expectations in terms of making the playoffs and improving on what they did last season, but I think for them to get there and get above that, you're going to have to go with Baker Mayfield other than Case Keenum. So Thursday night's game, Denver losing to Cleveland. Again, you know, I mean, Denver, what can you say about them? The Sunday games, we got the early games. We got my Washington football skins versus the Green Bay Packers. Washington at two and four. Green Bay at five and one. Green Bay hasn't lost since really being embarrassed opening day on the road. At New Orleans well they weren't at New Orleans but you know there was a road game it was played somewhere else because of hurricane because of the hurricane that um, had them play somewhere else 38 to3 losing to the Saints in the season opener since then uh, Green Bay has been uh, you know right back to where they were in terms of being one of the elite teams in the NFC meanwhile Washington <clears throat> two and four is trying to avoid their third consecutive defeat lost to the Kansas City football team 31-13 Aaron Rodgers for the Packers The greatness train is starting to uh, gain some steam. The greatness train is starting to gain some momentum. The greatness train for Aaron Rodgers is starting to make that move. Since throwing two interceptions and no touchdowns in the Packers. Opening season loss to the uh, Saints. Man, he's been on fire. 12 touchdown passes. One interception during the five-game winning streak for Green Bay. Devontae Adams still leading the NFL in receiving yards at 668. Shares the NFL lead for catches with uh, 46. So another tough game, another tough opponent for my Washington Snyder skins, and Green Bay is going to look to continue. Really hasn't had, during this winning streak, really haven't had a signature dominant performance. You know, everything was a little bit uneven. Everything was solid, not spectacular. Everything was just a professional football win. Washington has been giving up really good you know, have has been allowing the opposition to have really good offensive days. If you take a look at Buffalo, if you take a look at the second half of the Kansas City game, this is going to be a situation where it might be a little bit ugly if we're going to be reading the script in terms of what's been happening the last couple of games as far as the defense is concerned with Washington. This might be a game where Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams Goes absolutely nuts, so it's something that we're going to take a look at. Wendell's world in sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The Kansas City football team, three and three, is going to be at Tennessee, four and two. The first game between the Titans and the Kansas City team since the Chiefs beat them in January of 2020 for the first of their back-to-back AFC Championship appearances and Super Bowls. Tennessee. They've won four of their last five, coming off a big victory Monday night against the Buffalo Bills, 34-31. Great defensive stop at the end on that quarterback sneak attempt by Josh Allen in that game. So looks like the Titans have gotten themselves in the position to be where the Green Bay Packers are in terms of the NFC North with the Dallas Cowboys are with the NFC East, which is to go ahead and take advantage of a weaker division and just dominate it. When you take a look at teams like, Jacksonville and Houston and Indianapolis, how they've been squabbling and how they've been uh, stumbling and bumbling the first five games of the season, first six games of the season. Now you see Tennessee, which is clearly the more superior team of those three in that division, start to separate themselves, winning four out of the last five games. Uh, Derrick Henry cooking all cylinders past five games. The leading rusher, arguably the best running back, just running back. You might not say all-purpose back, but as far as running back is concerned, toting the toting the rock shall we say he's the best nfl rushing leader has a career high five straight 100 yard uh rushing games leads the league with 10 rushing touchdowns he's rushed for three touchdowns in each of his past two games he's starting to gain that momentum and lo and behold he's going to be playing a defense known as the kansas city football team i said chiefs before i apologize i meant to say the kansas city football team goodness gracious and playing a team on offense in Patrick Mahomes, which has been turnover prone. Mahomes has eight interceptions this year. He's been intercepted at least once in each of the past five games, including two in the last two. He also lost the fumble. So there could be a strong situation. There could be a strong chance that Mahomes could be giving Tennessee some pretty good field position, some very good field advantage if he is careless with the football. I'm, I'm interested to see if Mahomes gonna th- is going to throw one of those "What in the holy hell are you doing?" type of passes. He's on a three-game "What in the holy hell?" kind of a pass with that a uh, streak right now, and I wonder for this game against the Titans, I wonder if he's going to uh, continue to, uh, you know, make those throws or make those type of interceptions. We will see. One of the reasons why. Hey, you know what, Kansas City is at 3-3 three and three and still, still, still looking up in terms of the leaders in the NFC West Divisions. Wendell's World of, World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. Going to be talking about, talking about what's happening NFL Week 7. Kansas City and Tennessee, Kansas City going on the road down to Nashville to play Tennessee. If you're a Kansas City football fan and you're uh, taking a look at the glass half full, because you know, for the first couple of weeks, especially when the uh, Chiefs went on a little bit of a uh, went on a little bit of a uh, a slide a little bit when they were un very they were very un Kansas City in, in their professional football play. Everybody was speaking about, well, you know, is this the Super Bowl hangover or what's going on, if they come back down to earth and are underachieving this type of other thing. But if you're taking a look at the football team from Kansas City in the glass half full type of approach there are a few bad decisions and a mistake away from being 5-1 and one and 4-2. and two. You understand that, right? They're still second for all of the mistakes and for all the bad interceptions and for all the fumbles and everything that's been happening with this offense. They're still second in the league with around 433 yards per game and fifth in scoring at 30, almost 31 points per game. So if you want to be glass half full, you can say, well, yeah, look, I mean, if it wasn't for a couple of bad throws from Mahomes, if it wasn't for a fumble by Clyde edwards helaire if it wasn't for some tremendous plays by Herbert, going down the stretch in their game against the Chargers, if it wasn't for a couple of plays that Lamar made in their game against Baltimore, I mean, if it wasn't for some of those situations, I mean, we could be looking again easily at Kansas City being 5-1, and one and everybody will be sitting there saying, why is everybody panicking? We're 5-1, and one, they still have some things to clean up, and they're still one of the elite teams in the uh, AFC and in the National Football League. Imagine what's going to be happening, how much more potent they're going to be once these very correctable mistakes are going to be corrected. This is the narrative. This would be the thought-thinking process if Kansas City was 5-1, 4-2 from a majority of football fans and Kansas City fans. But uh, it's not the case. But Mahomes, again, he's thrown a lot of interceptions. We've been speaking about his interceptions. We've been concentrating on his interceptions. And yes, he has thrown more interceptions than, uh, than uh, he has in the past couple of years. And yes, some of those Passes that he thrown that has been intercepted have been laughable in, like, what in the hell are you doing? But he's still third in the league with over 1,800 yards passing, and he threw for a season high 397 yards uh, last week, and Travis Kelsey leads all tight ends with 38 catches, is tied for the league with 468 receiving yards. Tyreek Hill is still Tyreek Hill, caught nine passes for 76 yards in a TD last week and is tied for the lead with uh adams with 46 catches so i mean from a glass half full standpoint you're sitting up there saying well what's the problem here yeah they're three and three but as i mentioned before as you mentioned before wendell it's a long season and when these things get corrected all of a sudden now three and three is going to be looking like 11 and four in a couple of weeks so what's going to be the big deal down the road what's going to be the big deal Well, the deal is that the defense is still going to be a problem. If you're talking about the glass being half empty, if you're a Kansas City football professional football team hater or, you know, you're looking at it from a negative standpoint, glass half empty, the defense is still a problem when you think about Kansas City giving up 133 yards rushing. Oh, by the way, did I just mention that they're going to be playing Tennessee with the best running back in football that can wear you down because he's going to be toting the rock 25, 30 times if if, uh, necessary. So the Chiefs are 27th in the league as far as rushing is concerned. Their defense is giving up almost 30 points a game. Only Miami, the Giants, Atlanta, and Washington are worse. So, you know, on one hand, you say, well, the offense is going to be fine. This, that and the other. There's some correctable things that that can be um, be, uh, taken care of. And on the other hand, you say, well, that's great. But are they really going to have to win every single game 42 to 38? Is that even possible, even with the greatness of Patrick Mahomes? And maybe some of the decisions that Patrick Mahomes is making, is there, he's cognizant because he knows that he has to make those type of throws. He has to make those type of decisions. He has to make those type of uh, passes because, goodness gracious, I have to go ahead and do something. I have to go ahead and be dynamic. I have to go ahead and score touchdowns because if I don't, I'm giving the ball back to a team and on a defensive side for my team. We're giving up doggone 30 points a game. So sometimes that pressure might manifest itself in the Patrick Holmes making those type of decisions. Maybe it's a situation where the defense is having the Kansas City football team on offense make some of the decisions, causing some of the fumbles because they're trying to do too much, knowing that, goodness gracious, if we don't score a bunch of points, we might not be able to go ahead and win this football game because we can't count on our defense to hold a team to 14, 17 points, 21 points, we're going to have to go out and score at least over 30. So maybe this will be, you know, this allow, you know, sign for positivity if you're Kansas City at the fact that, hey, against Washington last week, they allowed Washington, to, you know, the football team, they only allowed them to score 13 points. Okay, well, that's great, but let's take a look at some of the skill players for the Washington football team. Um, you're not going to be facing that caliber if you're going to be looking to win championships, if you're going to be looking to win division titles, if you're going to be looking to win conference championships, if you're going to be looking to be competing in the, uh, if you're going to be looking to be competing for championships and Super Bowls and such. You're not going to be facing Taylor Heineke, Tyler Heineke and and uh, Antonio Gibson and a banged-up offensive line like Washington has and the lack of uh, p- uh, receivers and the lack of uh, playmakers. Logan Thomas as another guy tied in. He didn't play where, you know, a situation where that's great that the uh, Chiefs or, excuse me, that uh, Kansas City allowed only 13 points. But, again, whole different story when you're going to be playing a much better offense starting off with the Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry, A.J., Brown, Julio Jones, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, It's going to be a much more difficult game to wear. You know what? Let's see what happens when they play a more diverse and a much better offense than they did last week against Washington. Speaking of Kansas City, Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with with us talking about some of the games that's going to be happening in the NFL Week 7. (sighs) Oh boy, Uh, the Atlanta Falcons at the Miami Dolphins. Miami playing the week after losing to Jacksonville in London. The Dolphins have lost five games in a row. And every loss that the Dolphins have, Stephen Ross gets a little bit more nervous, gets a little bit more antsy, gets a little bit more angered, gets a little bit more perturbed. And he goes to his fellas, he goes to the people who work for him and say, what the hell? What in the holy hell is going on? And when can you get us Deshaun Watson? When can you obtain the services of Deshaun Deshaun Watson. Look, Ryan Flores the other day was up there speaking about I really don't get into rumors. Tua is our quarterback. We're happy with the quarterback, or quarterback situation. I'll leave it at that. I've said multiple times. That's great there, Ryan. Coach, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you think that uh, Tua Tungavailoa is your quarterback. There's no quarterback situation. I'm glad that, uh, you know, you gave him that public endorsement at the, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, post-conference on Friday. But you're not writing the checks. And if the owner goes to Chris Greer and says, get me to a tongue of Vailoa, guess what, man? You ain't Bill Belichick. You ain't Andy Reid. You ain't one of them cats. Uh, you're going to be getting Deshaun Watson. You're going to be working with Deshaun Watson. So you know, moving forward, again, we spoke about the Dolphins' odd nauseam in terms of when do we start turning this season around to... Instead of trying to make the playoffs to start rebuilding for next season, who's going to be here, who's not going to be there, and go ahead and make the move for Deshaun Watson. With the understanding that Watson, within the legal trouble that he's facing and hasn't even faced punishment from the NFL yet, probably is not going to play football this year, regardless if he stays with Houston, if he goes to Philadelphia, if he goes to uh, Miami or anywhere else. But, I mean, in this situation, you don't win in the NFL without an elite quarterback. And if Deshaun Watson, whenever he gets his legal troubles out of the way and something tells me that, yeah, he has enough money and he has a high-priced lawyer to go ahead, if they need be, buy his way out of the, you know, pay his way out of the trouble that he's in, that eventually he'll get back on the field and play. And if he can get back on the field and play because he's taking a year off where he's not playing this year, not because of injury, but because of Situations off the field which require his attention. So for him to come back next season, whether he's playing with the Dolphins or not, if he's going to be able to play, this is not going to be him coming back from an injury. This is going to be something to where, you know what, he took a year off from getting hit and the wear and tear that goes on his body. So if you're the Dolphins, long-term getting to Sean Watson for the 2022 season, that might be the way to go because as a, we're looking right now, the season is at a total loss. The New York Jets one five at the New England Patriots two and four. Wilson Zach Wilson, the quarterback for the Jets, trying to snap the Patriots' 11-game winning streak against them in that series. The Jets haven't beaten the Patriots since Week 16 of the 2015 season. That wasn't that was even past Mark Sanchez. Met the third week of the season. Speaking about the Jets and the Patriots, New England won easily 25 to six, and Bill Belichick did to Zach Wilson, which. He does to all rookie quarterbacks when he plays Bill Belichick the first time. Made them look foolish, confused, and uh, not very good. Nineteen of thirty-three, two hundred ten yards. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. He won nineteen for thirty-three, two hundred ten yards and four interceptions. That's what uh, Zach Wilson was uh, doing. So. Let me see. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, I got that off. Yeah, I'm still looking at the fact that New England's coming off a tough loss against Dallas in overtime. Some decisions, questionable decisions made by Bill Belichick. But are you going to question Bill Belichick when he's Bill Belichick? So 2-4. and four. Let's see if the Jets can rebound against the New England Patriots. One thing they have to do is they have to get a little bit better as far as the first quarter is concerned. Come out and start playing. They've been now scored 30 to nothing in the first quarter through the first five games the past five games they've had 20 79 yards total yards in the first quarter through those games they scored 13 points while the opponents have scored 75 and that have been out game 1031 to 420 in the first half so yes has to be incumbent upon the new york jets to come out and do some things so yeah that would, be, that would be a good idea. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Carolina Panthers at the New York Giants. We take a look at some of the early games. The slate in week seven of the National Football League. This upcoming Sunday. Carolina has lost three games in a row. The Giants are coming off two of their worst losses of the season. It's time for the discussion. Hey, you know what? John Gruden already left. He was the first coach to be gone from an organization This speculation and scuttlebutt and talk, you know, Urban Meyer who's gonna be that guy who's gonna be the next guy this, that, and the other we should start mentioning the possibility possibility that it could be Joe judge of the Giants Now what he said about the current win-loss situation. He said, uh, let me see. What's the quote? Yes He said I'm the head coach that's my responsibility point blank every player on this field every position group the execution it all comes down to me The fish stinks when it uh, The fish stinks from the head down I've been taught that by great guys that I've worked for and played for there's no excuses No exceptions you demand it of your coaches to make sure that your players are playing the right way You demand it of the players to know what you do what to do when they have to go out there and do it but it starts with me and ends with me. Well, it could be ending with you very, very soon, AKA once the season's over. The last two games have been embarrassing for the Giants, lost to Dallas, lost to the uh, Los Angeles Rams by a combined 51 points, not being competitive, especially in the second half for either game. So, you know, Saquon Barkley still trying to get back in the shape. Daniel Jones still trying to figure out the fees. The franchise quarterback to be moving forward, what are the weapons, what are the uh, situations concerning with that, and the defense have regressed, as I mentioned before one of the lower tier teams in terms of points given up, so that defense which carried them through part of the season last year for about 15 minutes when they were considered possible playoff contenders because of the division that they were in, not because of the record that they had well, that Defense has regressed that offense has not improved in any way shape or form and when you see those type of Situations then a you take a look and say this is not going to be a successful season and B, Joe judge has been At the helm of the team long enough to have some type of improvement or more improvement than what the New York Giants organization or football team is showing so we're gonna have to possibly make some moves if things don't turn around Wendell's world in sports I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us, taking a look at some other games of Cincinnati at Baltimore, great gauge game for the Bengals six weeks into the season, after five straight losing seasons, and Zach Wilson, another guy that came into the season, talking about there might be a situation where, you know what, he could be losing his job, well, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and those guys have turned things around greatly. Um, chance to move into a tie for first place atop the AFC North if they can win at the division-leading Baltimore Ravens, who are on a hot streak of themselves winning five games in a row. Baltimore has beaten Cincinnati repeatedly. <laughs> you know, it's been the same old flipping Cincinnati bungles. The Ravens won 27-3 and 38-3 to in their two most recent matchups between the teams. Baltimore rushed for a franchise record 404 yards. In one of those games and look you know i I don't know exactly where we're going to be at with cincinnati i don't know exactly as far as going into this season i don't know what we can make of the team from cincinnati i really don't but i know one thing this will be a great gauge game in terms of where they stand win or lose because if you take a look at some of the wins or you take a look at Cincinnati's four victories this season, the only one that kind of stands out is the game at Pittsburgh where they won 24-7. Maybe the season opener where they won in Minnesota 27-24, to but at the time, you know, you're speaking about a Pittsburgh team moving to week two or week three whenever they played Pittsburgh that was struggling, really struggling on offense. Now, since that game, Pittsburgh has gotten better. But at the time they were playing, Pittsburgh was, shall we say, regressing. Sort of, kind of, in how they were playing football. So, just speaking about Cincinnati's four wins being Minnesota at Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, and then at Detroit. None of those games shout out that this is a team that we should take seriously as playoff contenders just yet. The game now, Game 7, Week 7, against the uh, Baltimore Ravens is going to be a situation where, again, win or lose, we can kind of go ahead and see what kind of football team we're going to be talking about. Shall we really start talking about... Cincinnati being um, a playoff contender, win or lose, depends more on how they play. So Baltimore is going to be going for their sixth victory in a row. I mean, what's really the difference if you take a look at the um, organizations this season with the uh, Ravens and the Bengals, when you take a look at some of the victories that Baltimore has had, and I said it on my podcast last week, there's only a couple of plays and a bad officiating call away from Baltimore possibly not being 5 and 1 but maybe being 2 and 4 or 3 and 3. So it's a game of inches. Very much a game of inches. So in the NFL we've got some really good games, the late games are going to be Philadelphia 2 and 4 at the Las Vegas Raiders 4 and 2. Good win for the Raiders after all of that bullshit that happened with John Gruden. Detroit 0-6 at the Rams, 5-1-1. This should be a homecoming game for the Los Angeles Rams. The Houston Texans, 1-5 at the Arizona Cardinals, 6-0. Another should be homecoming game for the Arizona Cardinals. Chicago is going to be going to Tampa Bay. Chicago 3-3, and Tampa Bay 5-1. and one. Tampa Bay is going to be without Antonio Brown, but the weapons that the Buccaneers have, the way they've been playing, the way the offensive line has been keeping Tom Brady rather clean, while Chicago's defense has gotten better. Justin Fields, I don't think, is in a position yet where he can go toe-to-toe against the Buccaneers defense and everything That entails in terms of trying to put points On the board against them so I think Tampa Bay Is going to come away with that win if it doesn't Then Chicago with Justin Fields hey 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 then Indianapolis 2 And 4 at San Francisco coming Off a bye week 2 and 3 Jimmy Garoppolo Is going to be the starting quarterback For the 49ers good game This past weekend by the Indianapolis Colts Carson Wentz looks Like he's starting to uh, get a little Bit more comfortable with the teammates And Frank Wright and the system as such so so um, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I'm predicting, I should say, I'm going to go out and say that the Indianapolis Colts should beat the San Francisco 49ers on the road this weekend, which means that San Francisco will probably win this game 38 to nothing. Monday night football game, New Orleans at Seattle, two quarterbacks that are struggling, two teams With uh, inconsistency at quarterback Seattle, not because it has anything to do with Russell Wilson, but because Russell Wilson has a broken middle finger, he won't be playing. Geno Smith came in, played relatively well uh, Monday night or Sunday night. What was it, Sunday night? Yes, Sunday night against uh, Pittsburgh. The late fumble, though, cost them... The opportunity to win the game but um, he's been serviceable and Jameis Winston still remains inconsistent so we don't know exactly what he's going to be doing as far as you know from possession to possession maybe the running game with Alvin Kamara can help him out and maybe that improved defense for New Orleans can go ahead to step up and not put Jameis in situations where he's gonna to have to be throwing the ball all over the yard so yeah man The NFL slate of games looks interesting. No powerhouses, no game of the centuries, no, uh, you know, stop what you're doing and watch, but a solid slate of games for week seven in the NFL. Last segment of the podcast, those World in Sports. So glad that you could be with us. Spoke a lot about what was happening in the NBA. Spoke about what's happening this week seven in NFL. And week seven of the NFL gave you my thoughts and opinions. Enjoyed very much recording the podcast. I hope that you're going to enjoy listening to the podcast. If you've gotten this far, thank you so doggone much. Just remember, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcast, you download, subscribe, rate, review, follow, the most entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that I can bring to you. Wendell's World in Sports. I appreciate all of those good things, all of those good vibes, all of that good chi that's going to come my way as I'm recording this. I'm recording this in conjunction with the end of the movie that I've been watching off and on since recording this. Been watching uh, on A&E the uh, AMC, excuse me. Been watching Doctor Jekyll and Mr Hyde. The 1941 version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which starred uh Spencer Tracy, legend. Ingrid Bergman, beautiful. Lana Turner, awesomely attractive. Good uh, good stuff, man. That's a good movie. I like the uh, nineteen thirty-one version though better. I like the one starring what was that guy's name? Frederick Mensch, Frederick March. If you have a chance, they play it on AMC every, I don't know, six months or so, but I've recorded it and um, on DVR, I've watched it several times You know, good late night movie on the weekend So, uh, yeah, starred uh, Frederick March That was the guy's name, the 1931 version Good good stuff, good stuff The only reason, the only thing that kind of like Eh, that kind of sucks About the movie is the 1931 version Which I think was better than the 1941 version Starring Tracy and Bergman and Lana Turner The one that I like the better the most Is the 1931 version Even though when Dr. Jekyll changes into Mr. Hyde, Frederick March changes into his alter ego, the evil side. Um, You can see the ignorance, you can see the racism, you can see the uh, bullshit of uh, the day back in 1931. If you take a look at the big lips and the big nose and the dark skin and all this kind of stuff, it's like, yeah, okay. Wow, stereotypical black man, huh? Okay, well there you go. And that's supposed to be evil. That's supposed to be scary. That's supposed to be, you know, frightening. That's supposed to be all of those negative uh connotations. Okay. All right. That's the uh with the way of the day. Thank you very much, Malcolm. Thank you very much, Martin. Thank you very much, Medgar. thank you very much, Otis, thank you very much, Sam, thank you very much, Duke, thank you very much, Robert, thank you very much, Thurgood, thank you very much to the Freedom Fighters, thank you very much to the Civil Rights Movement, thank you very much to Joe Lewis, thank you very much for all of those guys who paved the way to where About, I don't know, 90 years later Some bullshit like that would never pass You know, on, on screen, on stage, anywhere In terms of someone looking like that When they're transforming into something that's supposed to be Dark and ugly and evil and wrong and negative And all those type of things that The Dr. Hyde or Mr. Hyde that uh, Dr. Jekyll transformed into Back in 1931 would not be applicable to These days because I don't know We've moved along that farther as far as a Civilized society is concerned so Thank you very much LBJ thank you very much In a small sense RFK Thank you very much again to all those folks Who paved the way to where that stuff Is completely unacceptable As I mentioned before baby We can learn from the lessons of those People in our society in our world In our history books who help move The society to a better place to a more Educated place to a more forgiving and loving and unified place even though we have a long way to go that maybe we can go ahead and continue to move it in a direction that we should be moving it into where everybody again is judged on their character and not on anything else so but it was a good movie I mean I, I enjoyed it but you know watching this guy you know it's you know, just 19, 1931 version of it you know turning in Mr. Hyde and the way he was acting the way he was looking it was like eh, okay Interesting, the sign of the time, but the 1941 version, I can see why, you know, I mean, Spencer Tracy, it, that, that's the man, that's the man, him, Bogey, and uh, Catherine Hepburn, I mean, the movies that they made, with, with uh, you know, such guys as, uh, you know, one of my favorites, Sidney Poitier and stuff, you know, to see why, uh, you know, those guys are legends. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. so glad that you could be with us. A few more minutes left, not too many games of consequence in college football this weekend for the most part you know there's some games that I want to watch there's some games that might set up some games down the road that are going to be interesting you take a look at the top 10 teams going into the weekend with Georgia still being number one Cincinnati being number two Oklahoma number three Alabama number four Ohio State number five Michigan number six Penn State number seven Oklahoma number eight Michigan State, number nine, Oregon, number 10. Interesting matchup this weekend between Michigan and Northwestern, because if Michigan can go ahead and beat Northwestern, that sets up a game Next the uh, week after that Between Michigan and Michigan State Michigan State has a bye week So they're going to be going into this game undefeated So if we're speaking about in the state of Michigan Michigan versus Michigan State Both teams ranked in the top 10 And both teams are going to be undefeated That is going to be the game of the week Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma Oklahoma plays Kansas So they should have no problem with them Alabama Funny how that loss to uh, Texas A&M It's already kind of forgotten in terms of You know what? Alabama still controls their destiny. I think other than Georgia, I think um, everybody else is a situation where they don't have that opportunity. If Cincinnati loses, their season's over in terms of them getting into the uh, Final Four. If Oklahoma loses, they're going to have to jump through a lot of hoops to get back into the Final Four picture. If Ohio State loses, they're, they're out of the picture because they already lost. They've already had a loss to Oregon, so that's basically going to eliminate them. Michigan, Penn State, Oklahoma... Oklahoma State at number eight. If Oklahoma State loses, basically they're going to be out of any type of running for the final four spots. Penn State has already lost one, so if they lose again, they're out of it. So really, you take a look, And this has always been a play. This has always been something in terms of, you know, well, if you're going to lose in college football and you're one of the top tier teams, if you're one of the top three or four teams in the country, you want to lose early. You want to lose in your second or third or fourth game. You don't want to lose. I mean, luckily, Ohio State is not playing Oregon their eighth game of the season to where they come into that contest undefeated and then Oregon beats them. By that measure, Ohio State's chances are, much more diminished if they would have lost to Oregon or their first loss would have been somewhere later on down the road in the season than when they did the second week of the season. Ohio State has put themselves back right into the picture, right into the mixture of... Um, being one of the top four teams and what is it going to say moving down the line let's just say for instance that one of the top four teams that we have right now georgia cincinnati oklahoma alabama let's say one of those teams lose well let's say if since it well geez man could you take a look if georgia loses they still have a strong opportunity they still control their destiny if they lose, for instance, if they lose to Florida, well, if, they, if they lose somewhere down the road, they'll fo- probably fall, what, to number three, the number four? So they'll still be in contention, strong contention to get into the uh, playoffs, especially if they win the SEC championship game. Cincinnati, if they lose, they're done. Oklahoma, if they lose, mm, depends on who they lose to and how much they lose to and how they look doing it because Oklahoma has been far from dominant this season. So if they continue just to get by the skin of their teeth, despite the fact of having a new quarterback and and, and, and some of the new changes there, which adds some dynamicism, that's right, I said the word dynamicism, taking the word that I'm uh, making up. But if they uh, go ahead and do that, then, you know, what does that leave Ohio State moving forward? What would that leave of Michigan moving forward? What would that leave of uh, Michigan State? I don't think Michigan State, I really just don't think Michigan State or Oklahoma State. Has the juice to continue what they're doing? I really don't. I I mean, Mike Gundy, he's always he's always doing this kind of nonsense every couple of years. He's he's always going and putting himself in a position, and then he'll lose to a team where it's kind of like you've got to be kidding. And he'll lose in a way like thirty eight to thirty six or some some nonsense like that. Every time we might get a little bit like hey, when it comes to. Oklahoma State, they'll go ahead. They're playing Iowa State this week. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Iowa State beats them. Would not be shocked at all. And even if Oklahoma stumbles before their rivalry game against Oklahoma State, I would still pick Oklahoma. I just That's just the way it is, man. That is just the way it is with, um, with um, Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy. Don't trust them. Never trust them. And uh, I just don't think him. Mel Tucker did a great job at Michigan State, but them and... Oklahoma State and Michigan State do not believe in where does it leave Oregon? I don't know with Oregon in terms of moving forward whether it what does it mean for the Pac-10 to have look? You have the SEC you have a non power five squad number two. You have big 12 number three SEC number four big ten number five number six number seven big 12 number eight Big ten number nine and then far below you have Oregon the the SD Pac-10 so you have from the big ten one Two, three, four three, four teams in the pack in the uh, top ten, and only one team, Oregon, hanging just on the number ten line. So, again, kind of gives you an idea of what the uh, what the folks think about the Pac-12 as a whole as a conference. So, don't know if there's going to be any way without any type of chaos for Oregon to get where they're going to be at, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right, I'm, I'm I'm done. I'm out of here. Spencer Tracy just got shot. He, uh Doctor Jekyll, changed. I'm Doctor Jekyll. I'm Doctor Jekyll. You're looking for a man named Hyde. I'm Doctor Henry Jekyll. Doctor Henry Jekyll. He's changing, of course. He didn't even look. I mean, you could tell him be like that's Doctor Jekyll with a you know with a with who needs to see a dentist and comb his hair. That transformation, he still looks like Doctor Jekyll. But he changes to Dr. Jekyll at the end. Tell him who you are, Jekyll. I'm Dr. Henry Jekyll. So he finally changes to Mr. Hyde. And they shoot him at the end. And as he transforms back to Dr. Jekyll. As he's laying on the floor dead. And his master, his butler, is sitting there giving him the Lord's Prayer. It is now over. Yes, so the movie is now over. Which means that this podcast is now over. Going to end it with uh, the greatness of Otis Redding, going to be taking a look at, or you're going to be listening to Try a Little Tenderness, Monterey Pop Festival Um, one of his greatest performances the night that he crossed over shall we say, from being just mainly a soul singer to opening up a whole new audience for him unfortunately six months later that plane went down in Lake Manoma, taking his life along with the pilot, along with uh, every member of the bar case, except for Ben Cawley who was on the plane but was saved and James Alexander who was not on the plane but uh, December 10th I'll go ahead I'll go ahead in December as I always do annually and speak about that the death of Otis Redding and Sam Cooke that, that's for a, a later date in terms of my podcast is concerned so I'm going to lead you with the greatest the legend my hero musical hero Otis Redding. So remember, y'all, stay safe. Do what you need to do to make this place a better place to be. Listening, learning, understanding, educating, shutting up, and listening to those who can educate you on things you know nothing about through experience and other such. So peace, love, unity, Mr. Otis Redding, the greatest of them all. Time to get on down.
1: we like to take time now and drop the tempo one more time. This is a song that I want to dedicate to all the miniskirts. my dig. Oh, she may be weary. Them young girls, they do get weary. Wearing that same old miniskirt dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she gets weary, you try your little tender yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, uh-huh. I know she's waiting, just anticipating, but then. Never, never, never process No, no, no But while She's there waiting Try Just a little bit of Tenderness That's all you got to do Now it might be A little bit Sentimental, no But she has Her grief yeah, 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 yeah. But the soft words, they are spoke so gentle, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes it easy, easier to bear. Oh, she won't regret it, no, no. The young girls, they don't forget it. Love is their home. Happiness, yes, yeah But it's all so easy All you got to do is try